0: did an awesome job can i i have to i have to humbly confess i'm just a little jealous like when i see them dancing with such energy man you ever wish you had like i wish i had their energy like i just can't dance like that anymore to be honest but kind of reminds me of the story this guy named charlie he was an older guy he was in like 82 years old and he wasn't feeling good he went to see his doctor, and his doctor kind of checked him over, gave him a prescription, sent him on his way. But that very night, the doctor takes his wife out to the country club for dinner. He looks out on the dance floor, and lo and behold, old Charlie is out on the dance floor with this blonde bombshell. I mean, they're just dancing away. They're having a great time. And the doctor runs over. He grabs Charlie and says, Charlie, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, I'm just doing what you told me, Doc. You said, grab a hot mama and be cheerful. He said, no, Charlie. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> you know, Sometimes as we get older, we just can't dance like we used to. You know, the truth is, guys, as we get older, you know, our things can start to break down, right? Can I get an amen from an old person? I mean... <laughs> Our, our hearing goes out, our knees go bad, even our eyesight can get fuzzy. Kind of makes you think of this older couple. They're living in a retirement community, and every morning they'd go out on their front porch and they'd have coffee together, and all of a sudden the wife out of nowhere, she points to her husband and says, honey, honey, look over there. That's old Thelma. She's walking down the street in nothing but her birthday suit. <laughs> her husband says, well, dear, I, I can't quite see her clearly, but... Whatever she's wearing, she needs to iron it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I'm in trouble for that one. I, you know, I just... <laughs> hey, 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 listen, everybody, check this out. When Karen and I started this church 20 years ago this month, I was 32 years old. And one thing for sure, I'm not 32 anymore. <laughs> there have been some changes with age changes in waist size and hair color and even changes related to my vision do you know when i was 32 years old i had 20 20 vision but as i've grown older i've lost some of the clarity that i need to keep my vision sharp i've needed to get my eyesight checked and i had to make some adjustments and the truth is i have to wear glasses to see clearly I need glasses now so that I can read. And I, I'm supposed to wear glasses when I drive at night. Uh, su- supposed to. So, so here's the deal. For me to see clearly, I needed to make some adjustments, get my eyesight checked. But I can, can I tell you that, that losing our vision physically, very common, happens to almost all of us. But I think what's even more common is for people to lose their vision physically spiritually and that's why we're starting this series called living with 2020 vision in fact there's an outline for our message this morning it's a light blue sheet found in your program if i can encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along all the verses from the bible that we're looking at today are printed there for you and there's a place to take some notes if that's helpful for you now when i say living with 2020 vision This whole series for the next three weeks is designed to give us three ways to do a checkup of our spiritual vision To sharpen our ability to see our lives from god's perspective To see the big picture of our lives and our impact on eternity So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at what does it take to get out of this blurry survival mode living? What does it take to clear up our vision so that we can be part of changing history and making a difference for good in the world? And when I say living with twenty twenty vision, let's define vision right off the top. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Vision, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in you. Now, let me say that again. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in you. Do you see, when you have clear spiritual vision, it produces passion and energy and meaning to all your motion because you have a renewed sense of confidence that I am becoming who God made me to become, and I'm doing what God made me to do. Spiritual vision. You know, this past Friday night, we, we just had our 20-year anniversary party, and can I say it was awesome. It was a, in fact, all of these cards here are all the prayers from our 20-year anniversary launching us forward into our future. What a great celebration. But can I tell you, one of the reasons we celebrated with so much joy is because from day one of this church, we started with 2020 vision. In fact, there on your outline, I printed for you the Crossroads vision. And in honor of our 20-year anniversary, I'd like to ask all of you, would you stand with me now? I'd like us all to stand together and say the vision out loud, the Crossroads vision. Ready? Go. To lead seekers, to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You see, when we started Crossroads, we had this vision, this dream. I mean, we saw what the church would be before we ever had our first service. See, we saw it. We saw a church that would reach people far from God and bring them back home to the Father. We saw a church where people would be so profoundly touched by the love of Jesus that it would change everything. It would change how they walked and talked and spent money and built their families and lived out their marriage and raised their kids. It would, it would change how they looked at themselves and looked at others and, and how they function in this world. We saw a church that was marked by gratitude and grace, joy and laughter, a church that would become family together. We started a church with the mission that we would make history by changing lives, one heart, one home at a time. And friends, just look around. Today, this vision has become a reality. And friends, you need to know around here in this church, we don't take lightly the value of vision. In fact, we take the heart, we take to heart the words of Proverbs 29, 18 on your outline. Would you look at this verse with me? It says, Where there is no vision, what? The people perish. We say in our membership class, where there is no vision, you should go to another parish right life's too short to be a part of a church that doesn't have vision because we we understand in this place very clearly that if you as a church if your vision gets out of focus if you get fuzzy people go down marriages go down families go teenagers go down faith goes down friends you understand just how important it is that we live our lives with clear 2020 spiritual vision. Now, believe me, can I tell you, I get it. Man, I understand firsthand just how easy it is along the way for you to lose your vision, to get fuzzy by the distress and the distractions of life. You take a hard hit, you get knocked down, you kind of see stars for a little, and you start losing sight of who you are and why you're here. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus Christ, he sees you, and he has good news for you today. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ, he has this miraculous ability to give sight to the blind and to restore vision to the vision impaired. In fact, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible is a story about this man. He was blind. He wasn't just blind. He was actually born blind. And a lot of people ask, well, why, God, Jesus, why was he born blind? Did, did his parents do something really bad? Did, did he do something really bad? You know, Jesus didn't spend any time answering that question. You know, I see a lot of people, sometimes they take a hit or something happens, and they spend a lot of time going, God, why? Why me? Or why did this happen? And, and can I just tell you, you're, you're just going to waste a lot of time Most of the time, you're never going to get the answer to that question. Jesus never answered the question of why this man was born blind. But what he did do is he pointed to the fact that God can bring glory and goodness out of any situation, including a difficult situation you find yourself in today. Jesus has the ability to bring goodness and glory out of any situation, including this guy that was born blind. Let me tell you what happened. I wish I could show you, but I don't want to mess up the stage. But Jesus literally spit on the ground, knelt down, he made a little mud, and then he rubbed it on the guy's eyes. Then he told him, Hey, I want you to go wash the mud off. And when this guy washed the mud off, then the miracle happened. In fact, I want you to see what happened on your outline in John 9 25. This is what the blind guy said. He said, But I know this, I was blind. And now what? I can see. And he worshiped Jesus. Friends, can you imagine living your whole life in total darkness and then having your eyes opened? You know what you call that? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind but now i see and then i love how the verse ended and he worshiped jesus he worshiped jesus this blind guy jesus fixed his vision and he lived the rest of his life with 2020 vision physically and spiritually and the blind man he worshiped jesus and can i tell you jesus did it for this blind guy and he can do it for you he can do it for you Now, how do we live with 2020 vision? How how can we see our lives from God's perspective, his great plans for our lives and for our church? Well, that's what this whole series is all about. And so can I tell you the first thing we're going to do to clear our vision is we're going to take some time for looking back. Did you know that many times in the Bible, when God wanted to bring vision back to his people, he would raise up a leader like Moses, like Joshua, like Nehemiah, And before these great leaders would lead the people to go forward, they would always take some time to look back and remember. Remember all that God has done in our past. Friends, have you done that lately? Have you taken time to reflect back on how God's been good and gracious and faithful and protected and provided? To look back, because when you look back, here's what happens. It brings clarity and confidence to move forward into what God has for us. So today, I just want to start out by saying, hey, let's look back a little bit. It's our 20th anniversary. Can I just look back and share with you some of my favorite memories from the last 20 years? Because I want to tell you on this day, I remember our very first service at the Super Saver Cinemas. September 24th, 1995, can I tell you, as clear as a bell, our service started at 10 o'clock. At five minutes before 10, there were seven people there. Man, I was nervous, like after all this prayer and work and preparation, God, is anyone going to come? And I made one of the most important decisions of my whole life right in that moment. Man, when the worship started, I said, God, regardless of who comes, I'm going to worship you with all my heart. And I started singing and focusing my attention on worshiping God. And though I was tempted to kind of look back to see if anyone can, I never looked back. And I worshiped God and friends when the music ended. And when I got up to speak and I turned around, it went from seven to in our first service, we had 165 people. And we never looked back. We never looked back. Also remember in that service, there was a young lady named Sunny. She was one of the very first people that accepted Christ through Crossroads, and there's been over a 1,000 since then. I remember baptizing Jeff Hudak, and Ricky Borba, and Jesse Avery, and Judy Allen, and Cynthia Murphy, and hundreds of others, including many of you sitting here today. And just on a side note, can I tell you, next weekend, we're baptizing 15 more. Man, I remember doing John and Carol Ooten's wedding. Dave and Linnea Hedgecock's wedding, and many of your weddings along the way. I remember the joy. I remember the total joy about a year into the deal. I got to share with the congregation that Karen and I were pregnant. Karen was pregnant. I just gained weight with her because I love her so much. I remember announcing, hey, we're having a baby. And our whole church family just cheered and celebrated with us. And then a few years down the road, I got to stand and dedicate my children to the Lord, just like many of your children. And I remember John Pack starting our first young adult ministry called The Signal. And I remember sending out Pastor Greg Barnes to plant a new church called The Bridge down in San Diego and starting eight other churches uh, after that. I remember doing Ellen Stamps' Funeral when she had a sudden heart attack. And I remember in the midst of all that devastating sadness throughout our church, her children, Pete and Paula Glegowski, were so thankful to Christ and Crossroads that we reached their their mom and helped her get ready for eternity. I remember when we moved to this location from the Naz Theater, and we moved here and we remodeled the sanctuary, and on these very walls behind me, there was nothing but plywood, and hundreds of us came up, and we signed our name to the wall, and we put the name of all the people that we wanted to reach. Can we see that picture? We put our vision up there, and we all signed the wall. So behind all this black stuff, there's a wall with many of your names on it and all our prayers of how God would use this church. And friends, I remember I remember when many of us came forward, and uh, we, had our, uh, we had our poker chips. you remember that? Yeah. And we put our poker chips on the table saying, we're all in. And then one of my favorite memories was just this past February when we had our groundbreaking ceremony. And man, we all walked by, all of us. We put our hand on the cross. We said, Jesus, we're building this for you. And then we scooped up water from the baptistry and we said, Jesus, we're building this church to reach more people. And then hundreds of us, we took a shovel in hand and we turned over dirt and we said, we're going to build this place together for the glory of God. Can I tell you, I have all these like thousands of etched in my heart memories, but the one memory that just keeps popping up over and over again was the memory of the day Crossroads was born. See, it was born before that first service. See, you need to understand before crossroads ever started my wife karen and i we were missionaries in west africa we were in the ivory coast and and god was just working in our hearts and we felt like god was calling us to come back and be missionaries here to start a church that would reach those who didn't even want to go to church we had never pastored a church before we had never planted a church we didn't know what we were. We we're trying to put all the pieces together and we heard of this place in chicago called willow creek community church And they offered the very best training in the world for young church planners. We didn't have a lot of money, but man, we scraped together what we had. We went out to that conference. And guys, I remember it like it was yesterday. We stood there and the pastor in the closing ceremony, his name was Bill Hybels. And he was speaking, but it was as if God was speaking directly to us. Here's what he said. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. And lost people matter to God, and they have to matter to the church. And then he said, God is looking for someone, anyone who will have the guts to put it all on the line and plant a church that would aggressively and without apology go after lost people. I remember Karen and I were holding hands, tears streaming down our face, and we said, yes, Lord. Yes, God. We will be that couple that will plant Crossroads Church. And friends, that was the moment that Crossroads was born. Now, why am I telling you all that? Would you write this down on your outline? I want to drive home the point that clarity of vision comes the moment we say yes to God, to his will and his way for our lives. See, when God asks you to open up your heart to receive his son, Jesus, and you say yes, it brings clarity of vision. When God asks you to obey his command to be baptized and to declare your faith publicly, and you say yes, it brings clarity of vision. When God asks you to fix a broken relationship, or to break an addiction, or to start tithing, or to get in a group, or to start serving in a ministry, and you say yes, the moment you say yes, it brings clarity a vision. Listen to me. So many times in your life, before you say yes to God, it's hard to see. You have all these questions. Well, well how's it going to work? What will happen? How will all the details come together? Many times before you say yes, you don't see it clearly, and here's why. As believers, we walk by faith, not by sight. Some of you, you hold back and you say, God, well, once you show me how everything will work out, then I'll go. Friends, that's not faith. Faith is stepping out when you're saying, God, I don't know how this has all come together. I just sense you're calling me to do this. Okay, so God, I'm going to go. I'm going to jump. I'll take that leap of faith. And then when you take that step of faith, here's what happens. God starts to make it clear and he starts to show you things you never saw before. One of the most powerful statements I'm going to make in this whole message, listen to me right now. Friends, you have no idea the rippling effects that your yes will have on your life and the life of others. I love how 1 Corinthians 2.9 says it on your outline. When it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, for those who say yes to him. Do you please underline the phrase, what God has prepared for those who love him? Do you know, when we started Crossroads, before we said yes to God, we couldn't even imagine all the different ways that God would touch and change so many lives for all eternity. In fact, this is really cool. About a month ago, we put in your program, we put a little, a little handout where we, where we asked you, would you write down how God used Crossroads Church to make a difference in your life? You know, I, to be honest, I was thinking maybe we'd get like 25, maybe 30 people writing something down. Friends, hundreds of you wrote down the most amazing miracle stories. I wish I had the time to read to you each one of these. But what I want to give you is I just want to give you a little taste of what God has done through Crossroads. So we prepared this little video. Hope you like it. Take a look. God used Crossroads to give me a church family where I truly feel I belong. My marriage and family were repaired and restored through this church. And now with your help, we are raising our four kids to know and love Jesus. I have so much gratitude for this church. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. Before I came to Crossroads, Jesus was someone who I talked to long distance or on special occasions like Christmas or when I needed to ask them for something. But now, He lives in my heart. He's always with me, and that's made all the difference in my life. So thank you, Crossroads, and happy anniversary. Of your life. The crossroads reawakened my faith and freed me from decades of hard drinking. This, in turn, enabled me to help lead my wife to Jesus. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Because the eternity I was headed for wasn't going to be a good one. I found my worth in Jesus, and I learned to share my joy and sadness with my first church family crossroads. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I help you at that time of your life. When I came to Crossroads almost 10 years ago, I was not close with God. I had faith, but not a relationship with Jesus. Today, He is in control of every aspect of my life, and He is my best friend. Crossroads has led me to Jesus. I now understand the true meaning of love. I am honest with myself and others. I like who I've become because I understand now that Jesus doesn't make junk. Crossroads taught me about God and helped me begin my relationship with Jesus. Uh, It helped me to better care for my wife and care for others. It also taught me the joy in serving with others through the Stan Junior High. I was in complete darkness, and God changed my life from darkness to light. Crossroads brought me to that light. I found an amazing small group. I was baptized here. Both my kids were dedicated here, and for that, I am so grateful to Crossroads. Crossroads. Hi, I came into Crossroads as a newlywed. My husband and I were looking for a church uh, to, to start our, our marriage off right. Uh, as soon as I walked into the Crossroads, I knew that this was home. I immediately uh, kept attending services, and I was baptized shortly after, joined a life group, and Crossroads is home, and this is definitely the center of my marriage. God reached out to my husband through our family group and the ministry here at Crossroads. And now he has a personal relationship with Jesus. My husband, my daughter, and I have all been baptized here. And since then, God has shown me my purpose in working with the kids in KZ Crew. All right, all right. Well, can I tell you, for the last 20 years, Karen and I, we've been having the time of our lives saying yes to god and building this church and with the time remaining what i what i want to do with the rest of my message is i just want to share with you like three life lessons that god has poured into me during the last 20 years to help keep my vision clear and i know it will help you as well so there on your outline top three life lessons learned over the last 20 years number one is that where god guides god provides Where God guides, God provides. Man, throughout the years, I've clung to the promise of 2 Chronicles 16.9 that says this, For the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Now, would you underline the phrase strongly support? Can I tell you, when we said yes to start Crossroads, God had our hearts, we were all in, And we were counting on this strong support because here's the deal. God was all we had. I mean, when we started Crossroads, we had no money, no people, no place to meet. And in fact, many of you don't know this, but we committed ourselves that we were going to start the church in September 1995. Well, just three months earlier in June 1995, we we had grown to a whopping like three people and that included Karen and myself. It was Karen, me, and a guy named Daniel Castaneda, and the clock was ticking. Three months to start a new church. Well, I went to this church planning conference uh, down in L.A. called Saddleback Church. Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, he was doing a conference uh, for church planners, and, and Karen and I went, and during that conference, during the first session, he talked about when he planted Saddleback, how he, he had no money, no people, no place to meet. And then he read this thing that, man, it was like God speaking to me again. And man, I literally wrote down every single word. And I'd like to share this with you now. It's called God's Marvelous Provision. Check this out. Great people are ready to help me at the right time, in the right way. People I don't even know yet. I promise I will never give up because I don't have the help, but I will trust God to provide. God has the resources to help you that you have not considered. There are thousands of people with all sorts of talents and skills and concerns and contacts that God can bring into your life in order to fulfill his plans. So open your eyes. See the faces of the people around you. Open your ears to hear what they are saying. Today, tomorrow, next week, you'll meet someone, someone who's just the right person you need, and that right person will come along at just the right time. And you will marvel knowing that God arranged it so beautifully. God's marvelous provision. Isn't that cool? Like, I wrote this down, and man, it was like spoke to my heart, and I said okay, God, I'm counting on it, and God, the clock is ticking, like we need help now, and can I tell you what happened next was so miraculous, we walked out of that conference, and they had a little lunch plan for those at the conference, I'm standing in line, and I'm standing in line, the guy in front of me turns around, he says, hey, my name's Bob, or whatever, I forget his name, he said, my name's Bob, what's your name, I said, my name's Paul, and my wife, Karen, he said, what are you doing here, I said, well, we feel God's called us to start a church in the San Francisco Bay Area. He said, really, can I shake your hand? And I went to shake his hand and I felt this little piece of paper. And when I looked, pulled my hand back, there was a $100 bill in my hand. I was just went, oh my gosh, th- thank you. That's so generous of you. He said, well, hey, it's, it's more than that. He said, you know, we come to this conference every year and before we come, we pray that God will lead us to a new church start that we can support. He said, I want to promise you every month we'll send you $100 for the next year. And I mean, God right then, he just drove home. Hey, I'm going to provide for you. I'll take care of the money part. And then I just knew, hey, from that day on, And can I tell you every step of the way, God has always provided the money. When we did the the children's building. He provided that. When we needed to remodel and put air conditioning in, God provided that. When we needed to, to uh, lay the foundation for the new building, God provided that. And I'm confident as we do our offering for the new ch- See, where God guides, he provides. So he provided the money, but I said, okay, God, thank you. Thank you. But money's not enough. We need some people. And I'm not kidding. We go home from this conference, I'm going, man. How can we start a church with three people? I'm so stressed out. I go out for a run. I run around Lake Elizabeth. When I come home from my run, I walk into our living room. There's this couple sitting in our living room, and my wife says, "Hey, honey, I just want to introduce you. This is Jerry and Lisa." I said, "Hey, Jerry and Lisa, nice to meet you." And I look at my wife and my back to them. I said, "Who are these people?" <laughs> my wife goes, "I don't know." <laughs> I said, "Hey." Uh, nice to meet you guys can can i help you can i like well who are you can i help you with something they said no we're here to help you we heard that you are starting a church and we want to help guys here's a miracle they came to us i mean i knew right there okay god you got the money covered you're gonna take care of the people but we still need a place to meet the very next week we're driving all over fremont we're looking at restaurants and health clubs and schools and we're driving down Paseo Padre and my wife looks over she sees this sign that says Super Saver Cinemas and she says you know wouldn't it be funny to start a church there like people getting saved at the Super Saver <laughs> and she said and she said man as soon as we get home I'm calling that theater we walked in the house she looked it up she called the theater A guy named Tom was the manager, and she says, I know this is going to sound really weird, but we're starting a church. We need a place to meet. Would you be open to us starting a church in your movie theater? This is what Tom said. He said, that is so weird. Just a year ago, my dad helped start a church in Michigan. So, yeah, why not? Come on down. We'll set it up today. I mean, just like that. Can I tell you, in all through our history... I can tell you, he's taught me this lesson over and over and over again, where God guides, God provides. In fact, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is printed on the back of your outline, Philippians 4.19. See, it's not just for the church, it's for your life too. When, When you say yes to follow Christ, here's the promise, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Friends, as you say yes to follow Jesus, he'll provide for you. He'll take care of your needs. Where God guides, God provides. Lesson number two, write this one down. God just drove this home again and again that Jesus can save and use anyone. Jesus can save and use anyone. Check out Romans 1.16 where it says this. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work. Saving who? Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Friends, listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you've gone through. Gone through. God says, man, if you will open up your heart to my son Jesus, who I gave to die in your place on the cross, if you'll trust my son Jesus, I'll forgive your sins. I'll come into your life. I'll make you a new person and I'll give you the gift of eternal life. Anybody. And friends, can I say, I've seen over 1,000 people. I've seen young and old, big and little. I've seen married and single, and red and yellow, black and white. Friends, all are precious in his sight, including you. Jesus can save anyone. He can save you. Let me see if I can illustrate this by the real-life story of Mike Lewis. See this picture behind me? This, this guy, his name is Mike Lewis. You don't know Mike, but he's one of the miracle stories at Crossroads. See, Crossroads used to meet at a place called the Naz Theater. So how many of you were here when we were in the Naz? It's now PetSmart down at the Hub, but it used to be the <laughs> Naz Theater. We met at the Na- and and the, some people ask, well, why did you meet at the Naz? Well, friends, because Jesus was from Nazareth. <laughs> Got to keep it <laughs> biblical, people. So we met at the Naz. And so we'd go in every Sunday morning like at 7, set things up. We'd put out these little sandwich board signs. Now, Mike Lewis, you've got to understand, this guy was a top-level executive in his company, top-level, world-class salesman. Man, he had the nice clothes, drove the nice car. He was living the nice life. But behind all of that, Mike Lewis had a cocaine addiction. He was like living this double life, and it was killing his soul, killing his marriage. And he drove by, he saw that sandwich board sign. He said, man, I can't live like this anymore. And he drove in to Crossroads Church, sat in the back, and he heard the good news about how Jesus could save him, forgive him, make him a new person. Here's what he did. He said, Jesus, save me, come into my life. Not only that for him, he went home. He got his wife, Julie. He brought her back to the church. Julie gave her heart to Jesus. Jesus saved their lives, saved their marriage. And then this guy, Mike Lewis, he didn't just get saved. Then he got all fired up to start serving. And here's the deal. this Guys, listen to this. This is why this is so important to our vision to lead seekers. Look at Romans 10, 13 and 14 on your outline so foundational for our church says for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved including Mike and Julie Lewis but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about them unless what unless someone tells them them. guys at Crossroads Church we've been commissioned to be the tellers. Of the good news, well, Mike heard this good news. It not only saved him, friends, but but he started serving. He had so much gratitude. He said, "Man, I, I want to know. I want everyone to know what Jesus could do for them. How can I help? What can I do?" Started serving on our welcome team. Within a year, he was leading our welcome team. Then he started leading a Bible study. He started growing in his faith. He matured, got strong. Eventually, he came on our church council. And use all of his experience in the executive world to help lead this church. Now you're going, Paul, I don't even know this guy, Mike. Why are you telling me this story? Because, friends, you understand, if Mike was standing here today, this is what he would tell you. If Jesus could save and use me, he can do that for anyone, including you. That's what he'd tell you today. So many people think, well... Man, all my mess- ups and fails, God can never use someone like me. but can I tell you, if God can use Abraham to be the father of our faith, Abraham was a liar. If God li- listen to this, God can use Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, friends, Moses had some anger issues. If God can use David, a man after God's own heart to become a great king of his people, you know, David committed adultery and murdered someone. God could use the apostle Peter to start His church. The truth is, Peter denied Jesus three times. He said, "Man, I never knew the dude." And if God could use the apostle Paul, the greatest missionary who wrote half the New Testament, look at what the apostle Paul said about himself in First Timothy one fifteen on your outline. He said, "This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners." of whom I am chief. Apostle Paul said, man, when it comes to sinner, I'm the king of sinners. I'm the top dog. And if God can use me, he can save and use anyone, including you. I've learned that lesson in the last 20 years. Well, because of time, let me share one last lesson. Would you write this down? The local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. For the last 20 years, I've tried to pay attention, friends, to the needs of the community and the trends of our culture. And in my humble observation, when I look at our world today, we have the highest level of education, the greatest level of personal wealth, endless choices in entertainment, and the largest government in all our history, yet it's not fixing the mess that our world is in. Can I tell you, friends, that the answer to the human predicament is not in more government, higher education, greater wealth, or more entertainment options. I mean, let me ask you, where can you go to find real hope and healing in our sin-stained world? See, the church is the only God-ordained place where people can come to find out they have a Father in heaven a Savior who died for them, a power source called the Holy Spirit that will come live with them, and a family to come alongside and share life with them. The local church is the hope of the world. You know, one time a young believer asked a great question. He said, I get it. He said, I know Jesus died for me on the cross and rose again. I know that Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven and that one day he's coming back, but like, what's he doing, like, right now? Isn't that a good question? What's Jesus, like, is he sitting up in heaven playing his harp? Is he twiddling his thumbs just waiting for his father to say, okay, son, go get him? I mean, what is Jesus doing between the time he ascended and the time, what's he doing right now? And that's a great question. And I think in Matthew we have a great answer. On your outline in Matthew 16, 15 through 18, it says this. Then he, Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Here's what, Je- guys, here's what Jesus is doing you know, up until the time he returns. And he's building his church. He's building his people. Here's what he's doing. He's building a family of followers who will trust him as Savior, follow him as Lord, be his ambassadors, represent his heart until he comes again. He's building his church to be the hope of the world. Now I want to share with you. Now think about it in context. 20 years. Do you know what I've been doing for the last 20 years? Just like you bought our house so thankful for that we had our kids who are the great one of the greatest blessings of our lives we worked our jobs we've gotten some paychecks paid some bills taken some trips guys we've gone out to eat we've seen some movies and concerts took some nice vacations along the way we've made great friends we've done loads of laundry and tons of dishes I've mowed my lawn and fixed my car, and I've lived this thing called life just like you. I want you to think about what have you been doing for the last 20 years? If I can tell you the one thing I'm most proud of. Man, I'm so glad. The number one thing that we've poured out our lives and giving our energy and money and effort to, the thing I'm most proud of, is we've given ourselves to build the local church the hope of the world. Now, friends, now I want to shift gears. Instead of talking about Crossroads, I want to talk about you. Let's get real practical now because this is about your spiritual vision. How do you take a message like this and apply it to your lives? Well, here's my prayer. My prayer is that you take some literal time this week to look back and to thank God for all His blessings. Blessings. Man, he has helped you and protected you and provided for you and blessed you and been by your side. He's gotten you to this point where you are today. Take some time, and then my prayer is that with great gratitude, that would be fuel for you to say a big yes to God. To say, yes, God, I'll trust you with my heart, my life, my future. Maybe your yes today is to let Christ come into your life because he can save anyone. He can save you. Maybe your yes is to stop putting off his command to be baptized and, to, and for you to say, I'm going to get baptized and publicly declare that I love and follow Jesus. You know, you can get baptized next week. Maybe your yes is to say, man, i got to fix my marriage or, or face this addiction or start serving or, or i got to start letting God use my life. You know, the one last thing... You, at our anniversary party after we hung all our prayer cards i was just enjoying talking to people one young guy he said you know pastor paul man i wish i could have been around 20 years ago i wish i could have helped start crossroads but i was only like seven years old i said well you know what it's not an accident that you're here now because this is a time of new beginnings I mean, you're getting ready to start a new outreach series. We're getting ready to build a new building. We're launching into our next 20 years of ministry. Why not commit yourself today to say, I'm going to let God use my life to help people get saved, to build the church, and bring the good news of the hope of the world? That's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for Crossroads. Let's pray together now. lord it's with great gratitude as we look back to say thank you jesus thank you for all that you've done in the good times you've celebrated with us. in the hard times you've carried us through you've always been there and you've always provided just what we needed right when we needed it and because of your faithfulness god we say yes In our hearts, we say, maybe you can say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Yes, God, I will be baptized. Yes, God, I'm going to trust you to help fix my marriage. Yes, God, I'm going to get into some counseling and break this addiction. Yes, God, I'm going to finally start serving you with everything I've got. Make this place, Lord, marked by by individuals and us as a church. Make, Make our resounding heart beat for you where we just say, yes, God to your will and your ways in our lives. For Christ's sake and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.